Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we got Mr. Ash Wright. He's back in the bullpen. A Republican strategist, nationally recognized individual, has a long, extensive, and quite remarkable resume. Mr. Wright, good day. Welcome to Indisputable. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, look, I have a great resume, but nobody's ever nominated me for best TV host in the country. So I think I think you win on that. Oh well, listen, I appreciate that sentiment. Um, I highly doubt you'll be voting for me, though. I will. I'll go vote <laughs> for you. You know, I appreciate of you, all man. the of all the uh, TV hosts that I'm on with. I disagree with you the most, but I think I respect you the most. So and listen, I'll man, definitely go vote for you. The the feeling is mutual, brother. I appreciate you saying that. So I don't want to presume what you know or believe about. Border policy, we will chop it up today. Tell us your thoughts about immigration and border policy in this country. Yeah, I mean, look, the the reality is, is our country has taken this from a standpoint of, of morality and what allowing people to come into the border. And so I think it's what we, we need to do is we need to step back as a nation and relook at the ability to get visas to come over here for HB1B visas to actually be here as a legal citizen. And we need to provide a way of path forward for people that are already here so that they can come out of the darkness and actually live as a part of our society. And with that though also means that they need to pay taxes they need to pay back owed taxes. They need to do all of the things to uh, to assimilate into our society. I, you know, look, I'm a big supporter of the border wall. I'm not a big supporter of just allowing mass amounts of immigrants. You know, I think there's 60,000 Haitians heading for our border today. I'm not. I'm not a proponent for that. I'm a proponent for keeping everyone out and having everyone come in legally and not be uh, illegal immigrants. I mean, as as you know. Um, a lot of these, you know, illegal immigrants um, are, you know, are really just trying to search for a better life. But also, they're tainted by some that are criminals, that are drug smugglers, that are really in Mexican gangs, etc. And so, I think it's it's just difficult to say that there there should be this mass open border, and and that just doesn't really work as a country. So I do believe that we have to have a border. And it needs to be a border, but that we have to better our ability to allow people that are truly coming here to have a better life to be able to do that. I agree with most of what you said. I want to ask you a question. You identify as a white male, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Do you want to be judged for what 1% of white people do? Would you want to be judged for that? No, I want to be judged for what I do. Okay. You know, less than 1% of those crossing the border are engaged in any criminality, gang affiliation, drug smuggling, anything, less than 1%. And by the way, even when they are here in America undocumented, they commit less crimes than native born individuals in the country. And they also are employed at a rate of 97%, which is higher than native born Americans. And they contribute more in taxes, even being undocumented than they would ever use in benefits or services. Because you already know it's against federal law for them to even obtain those particular services, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, contrary to the spoken narrative. So let me give you a stat, because like I said, I agree with most, with most of what you said. So that means that now we have to educate and correct the narrative because most Republicans, this was a poll done not too long ago, roughly 80% of Republicans, they believe that immigration is one of your primary problems in America, undocumented workers. And it's not, 
They believe it's a threat to the economy and it is not. They think it's a threat to jobs and it's not, not based on the data. Um, so in 2019 alone, um, Mexican immigrants, undocumented workers, earned 92 billion in household income and contributed about 10 billion back through taxation to the economy of America. So that's your ecosystem issue there. Uh, they give way more than they ever could possibly take. But why do you think, brother? There's this emphasis on they're destroying the American economy and they're taking American jobs. And once again, they're not taking American jobs based on every statistical survey we've done. The you know you know who's taking American jobs? Automation. 60 million American jobs have gone to automation. 85 million by 2025. But that's not the monster. The monster is a a black or brown individual who's just seeking an opportunity to actually give more to the American economy than they take from it. So how do you change the narrative in the Republican Party? Once again, 80% of your guys believe the narrative that's a lie. And I, I gotta say this for posterity, 19% of Democrats believe the lie. Right, I mean, and look, that's right. I mean, and the, the truth is, is are there some in most individuals are coming over here doing nothing but seeking a better life. I think that's fair to say. I think that's you know absolutely 100% correct. But that doesn't mean that there aren't a few bad apples in the group. And and so what I would challenge you to say is is that I believe most most Republicans believe that this is economic, but it's also a safety issue for our communities yeah. because it's not just about the immigrant that comes over and gets a gets a job, say you know a six to $15 an hour job that, you know, and I agree, Republicans say, oh, that would be a job that, you know, American would take. And the reality is Americans don't want those jobs. Americans are educated through the public school system. They believe that they, they're owed more than $15 an hour. I mean, the average American is really trying to start at $20 an hour nowadays. But, but it's not just about the hourly wage workers that come over here. This is about the, not only the safety of those that are coming and there are bad apples in the process, but the communities that are being affected from those that come over. So for example, you know, I don't know the last time that you were on the southern border, but I was down in the Rio Grande Valley three weeks ago. And, and when you get you know, a couple of blocks off the border, what used to be a thriving town is now, you know, businesses that are shut down. There's a lot of theft. There's just a lot of trash and homelessness, you know, tent camping, et cetera. And that's difficult for communities because it's not that they're coming over here and taking the jobs. It's that some businesses are being forced to close and businesses that just reopened from COVID. And so I, you know, I, I think it's tough to kind of say that, look, you know, when most people are good, and, and I would agree with you, most people are good. But in almost all other instances of our country, what we do is we do the most to protect those that from the few, right? So for example, in COVID, we said, hey, look, most people aren't gonna die from COVID and this is okay, but let's all do our part to protect those few that can't. And in this same exact instance, you know, it's is it fair to say, look, the 95% that aren't criminals can't come over because of the 5%? And the reality is, is yes, because when you go ask the mother of the daughter that got killed or raped, and I know that those are very few and far in between instances, they would say yes. And so I think as Republicans and on a moral standpoint, we have to do what's right to protect everybody. And, and, and that includes like across the board. And that may mean that some people who want to come in to the country that are just looking for a job can't. And but that's why, and, and this is why I'm such a huge advocate for 
for remodeling our immigration system on the legal side of things. And, and we spend a lot of time debating, should they be able to come in and re, you know, reuniting families, et cetera. And the reality is, is if we spent half the time debating and changing and fixing current laws so that there was essentially a fast pass to US citizenship, then a lot of these other issues could go away for us. Yeah, I agree with the streamlining of the process. I agree with that point. I heard another conservative make that same point yesterday, complete agreement with that point. Narratives are important, Ash, they're very important. We tend in our conversation to single out those who are brown or black, okay? The number one violators of overstay visas in America are Canadians. Narratives are very important. You have never heard a narrative against Canadians. And there are a certain amount of Canadians that commit crime in the United States of America every single year. But you do right. not hear a narrative. Let me finish. You don't hear a narrative against Canadians. You don't hear a narrative of, well, yeah, but we have to protect the whole, even though there's just a few. We need to start cracking down on Canadians. And let me bring this up to your attention. The vast majority of narcotics, because a lot of this goes back to drugs entering into the United States. The vast majority, over 90% of narcotics that come into the United States do not come through illegal pathways or underground or people climbing a wall or tunneling under a wall. It actually comes through US ports of entry. Trains and boats bring most of your dope in the United States of America. Okay, and then if you look at the statistics from the US Customs Border and Protection Agency, they have this on their website currently. 90% of heroin, 90% of cocaine, 87% of methamphetamine, 80% of fentanyl, all came from legal crossing points. We're talking about people literally driving their cars, trying to get through the border agencies. Having documentation to move forward, right? Not using the illegal methodology or the methodology of coming through the border through one of these tunnels, etc. And and I also got to remind you, brother, there's not a wall that a man can build that another man cannot climb over or tunnel under. It doesn't exist. And it never will. So you all have this emphasis on the wall. And Democrats went through this phase too. They were wall crazy at one point as well. Right. It doesn't right. fix your problem. Ports of entry, boats, trains, um, and the narrative of how uh, drugs get into this country has been misguided from day one in order to affix a false criminalization on brown people who are seeking opportunity. Well, I and you know, look, I, I want to talk about the Canadian aspect first and go back for just a second to what you're talking about. Because part of the, I, I agree with you in a sense that Canadians are the people that most overstay their visas. The difference is, though, is that Canadians also apply for more visas than anywhere else, right? Which is different from anywhere in South America or from Haiti, where we have 60,000 people coming up, but hardly any of them actually ever apply for visas. So there's a difference. I, I, get, there's a, there's I know a there's a difference, difference brother, but Ash, Ash, listen to me. If that dynamic were connected to a black or brown country, you would hear about it. If a black or brown country was the number one violator of overstay visas in America, even if they're the ones who apply for more than anybody else, you would at least be aware 90% of people have no idea that Canadians are the number one violators of that immigration policy. And there's a reason for that, brother, is my point. There's a reason why the narrative does not stick to them. But it sticks 
to black and brown people, lies stick to black and brown immigrants and the truth won't stick to white ones. Well, I mean, look, I, I mean, there's just, there's a difference between overstaying your visa and entering the country legally. I, I agree that we don't hear about Canadian because it's a first world country. I, I won't use mm-hmm. the term because it's a white country. It's because it's a first world country because okay. they contribute to they contribute to the world. They contribute to society. They're an advanced culture. That's not the case in Mexico. Come, That's not the case on, when man. these individuals come on, walk come through. Man. When look, when these migrants come from south, far South America and march through these countries, these they're different than the people that are applying for work visas out of Canada. There, there just is a difference, regardless of their skin color. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying you have to accept the fact that a migrant that's that's come over by sea from Haiti to South America and marched hundreds of thousands of miles up to the U.S. border is different from a Canadian that applied for a visa and waited four to five years, got into the country and then overstayed their visa. And frankly, while they paid taxes and did everything else legally, except for possibly overstayed their visas. Now, I, but I, I also wanted to get to the to the drug well, issue. Me, and I, oh, all right, before you get to that, um, <laughs> to say that Mexico uh, is, is basically a third world country, uh, is a false comparison. You you can't say that about Mexico. And and to say they don't contribute like Canada, uh, Mexico contributes more to our economy than Canada does. So right. how can you? But how can you? How can you say? Oh, the reason why Canada gets a pass is because they have all of this uh, cultural connection and they give back and and they're this. When Mexico outpaces them in uh, economy and everything else. Uh, as it relates to the American revenue taxation system. How can you right. say that? And look, I, I, and maybe I, I didn't speak correctly. I was talking about more on a global stage, meaning that can, Canada is more of a world economic player. But I, absolutely, Mexico is <laughs> You're our- You're making my economy. point, brother. You're making my Me- point. You don't wanna say it, Ash. It's because it's a country of white people. You don't wanna say it, but damn it, you know in your no, heart it's, it's, it's real. It's a country of people that come here legally and then overstay mm-hmm. their visas versus Some of coming them come here, here legally, legally as well. from day one. There's a huge difference there. But I do want to talk about the drug right. trade. I, All right. I, I, I agree with you. Most immigrants that are coming over are not bringing drugs on their bodies. They are they're crossing the river. That is still breaking the law. Coming into this country legally is breaking the law. It, it, you are still an illegal immigrant. The drug problem, and I, I know just yesterday they found, I think, like two or three million dollars worth of cocaine on one drug stop at a border patrol. Um, and, and part of what, what I believe should be changed here is, and I, I don't know if you've ever been down to the border, but when you drive through these border stops, most, most Americans that have never actually been down to the border believe that these border stops are literally right on the border. But a lot of them are almost 100 miles inland. And so it's what we do is we allow individuals, they come through, they check on you know, a truck, et cetera, at the border, and then they're able to kind of disperse. And then as they move up into the nation, they go through another border check. And those border checks are where they they actually collect. Like when you go through those, they'll say, "Oh, we collected you know one million pounds of cocaine last year, et cetera." They've got these signs up, but we need to move those and do those checks actually at the border. So because they, there shouldn't be that hundred mile instance where you can you can be a part and, and be in America, and that that not only would make our neighborhoods safer in South Texas, but also 
would also stop that ability. I think we need to use more technology and just putting more border patrol. I mean, look, the CBP, I, you know, I'd support Greg Abbott and all the other Republican governors that are down on the border today and tomorrow. I think what they're doing is right, but but a lot of times bodies isn't the answer. We're, we're essentially just making our own human wall. When the reality is, is we should be using technologies to stop the drug trade. All right, and let me also remind you, brother, that the American population, <clears throat> excuse me, makes up five percent of the global population, but consumes seventy percent of the drugs. There's a consumer market. Why do you think dope dealers are trying to get? to America because of the consumer market in the United States of America. And let me also remind you that the same federal law that says it is against the law to hire an undocumented worker. That same federal law, the subsection says, or the federal law that says it is illegal to be an undocumented worker says it's illegal to hire an undocumented worker. And 88% to 90% of people that come to this country undocumented come here because of work. They're trying to actually make a living. Well, you don't see these CEOs and hiring managers and HR managers and recruitment directors. You never see them get arrested. You will see 600 undocumented workers get arrested at a warehouse and the CEO has to pay a fine. Do you think that's a fair execution of the law when in, in essence they are breaking the same federal law? No, if you break the same federal law, you need to pay the same punishment for sure, 100%. Brother. Always a pleasure to have you. Go ahead. You have the last word. Go ahead. Well, I, you know, I was just gonna say that you know, I think in our country, it, to your point, I think that we don't we have a drug problem, but the drug problem really stems because we have a family unit problem, and a lot of these drugs or drug usage is being done by children that grow up in single parent homes or, you know, individuals that are, um, you know, that are, you know that have dads in prison or moms in prison or moms and dads That's that are immigrants. The, the data, the data, so, the research data does not support your conclusion. The research data shows that there's no statistical difference between a two parent household and a one parent household as it relates to excessive use of alcohol and or illicit drugs. Well, let's let's discuss, I know you gotta go, but let's discuss that on the next, the next time I'm on. We'll do that brother, we'll love to. Always a pleasure having you on Indisputable, right, thank, thank you sir.